Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Happy Friday, everybody. The birds are chirping outside. The laundry's going. The house is clean. I'm feeling really good (laughs) and excited to share the next Evox session that I'm working through in this money series. So we are just going to dive right into it today. This third week in the money series, the subtopic that I was had identified and was working through was this idea that for me, buying things is soothing. I think I had already prior to starting this series noticed that particularly food, I think this is like really, really refined too, like buying food is very, very soothing for me. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but I have noticed that sometimes this urge to buy food uh, obviously isn't always great for my bank account. And to give you an example, it's like, you know, if today I get a really strong urge to go have this one smoothie from this one specific place, it's like, I don't care what's happening in my life, I will get myself there somehow to get this smoothie. Or, you know, I want this one particular meal, dinner from this one restaurant that's like 30 minutes away. I don't care, like I'm going there. And I think there's times when that's great, when I can honor that feeling. But what I've noticed happens when I can't get the food I want is I get really, really sad. And not just like, oh, that's a bummer, too bad I couldn't get it. I feel so forlorn and let down and just like, oh my gosh, poor me, I can't get that thing. <laughs> so basically the the reaction I get when I can't get the food is definitely a little bit extreme and the intensity of wanting it is a little bit extreme too. And I think that's what I wanted to take through. This is why is there such an, why are there so many extreme emotions around this thing of like buying food and why is it so soothing for me? One of the first things to come up was I could really identify that it was more, there's, it's more than just a yearning for food. It's not just like, oh, I want that food and that's the end of it. There was some deeper yearning. I'm yearning for more than just this material food in front of me and what came up out of that was that I think a lot of it is about feeling seen and heard and I was able to identify in the session that when I can't when I don't get the food I want (laughs) when maybe I'm craving something and I just can't get it that day or I tell myself like no I'm not going to spend money on that today I really do get this sort of hurt feeling like I've been ignored, I've been rejected, I'm not seen, I'm not heard. And then I feel just so lonely and sad as I had mentioned before. 
So there were two memories or times in my life that surfaced in this session. One of them was, I think, maybe not as consequential as the other. So I'll start with that one. And it was just kind of remembering through childhood that I was always the one who wanted to eat at a nicer restaurant. And by the way, like by nicer, I mean like I wanted to eat at Panera instead of Jack in the Box. (laughs) So it's a spectrum for sure. But I just, for whatever reason, like naturally had a, a bit of a taste for fresher, healthier food. And I remember through most of childhood, I always had to kind of put up a fight to get that food because usually everyone else was like, no, we don't care. Like, let's just go to McDonald's or Jack in the Box. And by the way, we really did not eat out a lot. This was not a thing. And so I think even more so because we didn't eat out a lot, when we did eat out, I really wanted to get the thing that I wanted. So um, I think that was like a tiny part. That was something that surfaced is like most of my childhood was sort of like yearning for these things that I didn't get. And look, I get it. That is so first world problems. I am not trying to have a pity party for myself over that. But I think a little bit that explains why I just, why food for me is connected to feeling seen and heard because I don't think I felt very seen and heard when it came to food choices as a kid. But the second sort of time in my life that really surfaced during the session was remembering going to San Diego to be with my father on the weekend. So just a really quick recap. My mom and dad divorced when I think I was four or five and my mom remarried. And so throughout the week, we lived with my mom and my stepdad in Corona. And on the weekends, my dad would drive down from San Diego and we would go and spend the weekend with him in San Diego. And really, up until this session, I had pretty fond memories, like fairly fond memories of those trips. I think being younger, you know, I was probably, we probably were going up there from the ages of like five to maybe 10, but for sure like five to eight. We were going up there pretty regularly on the weekends. But, and as I said, I had pretty good memories about this. Being so young, I think I was just so excited to be with my dad. And I know my older brother, who obviously was a little older during that time, has shared his his experience of that period in our life from a different viewpoint. And I'm starting to now see um, some of the less cheerful sides of those times. But what was interesting is that what surfaced in this Evox session was that my dad was in total poverty, just total poverty. A lot of people don't know this, but we lived in a trailer when we went down there to visit him. And it never really occurred to me that we weren't eating (laughs) very great food. And I'm not saying this to hold it against him or to throw him under the bus. I always, always say this work of the subconscious, of clearing the patterns that we've picked up from our trauma, et cetera. Like all it has done is give me even more compassion for my parents. So this is not to try and throw him under the bus. So I kind of like more memory surfaced of this time of basically 
the only thing I could remember was that we would eat like Jack in the Box or McDonald's. Like that was pretty much our meal. And then actually after the Evox session, I texted my older brother and I was like, I can't really recall anything other than these like two fast food places that we ate. What else do you remember us eating? And he was like, basically, we ate either Jack in the Box or McDonald's. And then sometimes in the trailer for dinners, we would have like a chopped up hot dog in baked beans. And that was our dinner. And I kid you not, I actually like still I want to laugh when I think about that because part of it is like so sad and I like feel so forlorn for those kids who were kind of in that weird environment. Um, and then part of it is just funny because it's like, look, I, st- I recognize that eating hot dogs and baked beans is still better than a lot of the people out there, but I'm also not into comparing in that way. Everyone's experience is unique to them and if it had a profound impact on them, it doesn't matter if someone's had a worse experience. So I'm not really into comparing in that way. But it was very, very eye-opening for me because... I realized that those weekends, so 100% those weekends were all about doing whatever my dad needed to do that weekend. You know, he worked during the week as a carpenter and it really hit me sort of full force in this episode that when we would go down to see him, we never really did anything that maybe you would think a kid would do when they're visiting their parents. Like maybe go to the park, maybe go see a movie in the movie theater, maybe like play some sports outside. It really was like us getting carried around to do all the things he needed to do. So it was very often, you know, we would spend three hours at the laundromat doing laundry and we'd just sort of be like playing around outside the laundromat. Or my dad did a lot of volunteering. So it would be going to different job sites where he was actually literally volunteering to build homes, which is beautiful. It's so admirable. Um, But it kind of hit me full in the face that basically the whole weekend was, at least from my perspective, just repressing anything I wanted or had hoped for, any kind of connection I wanted with him. It was all about like, here's what we have to do this weekend. Or here's what I as dad need to do this weekend. Like, come along, kids, we're going to do it. And again, at that age, I think I was just so, so excited to see my dad and be with him that I didn't, I wasn't thinking in these terms at that time. But now that I look at it from a different perspective, I do see that I was repressing so many emotions and so many desires. And I actually didn't want to do most of the things that he was taking us to do, but I had to repress all of that because... There was, it was never a discussion like, hey, kids, would you like to come? It was just like, this is what's happening this weekend. And then maybe like at the end of the day, we would go home and like watch a movie together or the boys would like play a little bit of Nintendo on the tiny TV screen in the tiny trailer together. But it was really interesting. And then I know my older brother says Um, he actually sort of developed a habit of hoarding food during this time because when we would go to San Diego, you just were never sure like exactly when the next meal was going to come and if it was even going to be something that you would really want to eat. And so he said, it's so sad actually, but he said he kind of just started to develop this habit of 
hoarding food. Like if he did like the meal, he'd purposefully only eat half of it so that he could be sure to have a little bit of food that he liked later on in case, you know, in case dinner was going to be hot dogs and baked beans again. And I actually realized a pattern of mine that I hadn't really, I was aware of it, but I hadn't connected it to anything. And it's this, <laughs> it's this pattern I have or this urge I have that whenever I'm going somewhere for an extended period of time, even if it's like a few hours, I always want to bring food. So I always will have like really good healthy snacks in my car or in my bag if I'm going somewhere. And if I'm staying with someone overnight or for the weekend, I will always either bring some food or go to a grocery store as soon as I get there to make sure I have food that I really like and want that I know is really nourishing for me. And I think for the first time ever, I really connected this to that time in my life when there just wasn't a lot of food and it was just really, really poor quality food. And I I think that explains why I do get a little panicky sometimes when I'm somewhere and I don't have the food that I want or like good quality food. It really is a thing like I get a little like if for whatever reason I go somewhere and I forget to bring something, I start to feel a little panicky. And I've never really thought about that before in those deeper, more subconscious fears, childhood experiences lens. I think what it's really bringing up in my subconscious is maybe the memory of that time and just fear of scarcity and um, I'm going to go hungry. I'm not going to get anything that's actually nutritious. (laughs) But more than anything, what this session really connected for me was that I started to really understand why when I'm craving food and I want a certain thing, when I give it to myself, it makes me feel so seen and heard. I think because during that time in my life, we weren't seen or heard. We There was no, again, there was no discussion about what would you like to eat? What's going to feel good for you? What's going to be nutritious for you? It was just like, here's what we're eating. So there was a so much repression and just there was no, I had no voice at all. And so I felt invisible. I felt like what I want or need really doesn't matter. And so I think when I do get those cravings for food, it's like that inner child of mine going like, I want this, please see me and hear me that I want this. And when I give it to myself, that inner child feels so soothed and comforted of like, oh, okay, I am seen, I am heard, I am safe now. And for me, that does explain why those cravings can be so, so intense of just, I have, I want this meal, I have to get it. I'll do whatever I have to to get it. And then on the occasion that I don't get it or I deny myself, there's, it's like so many heavy feelings that crash in that really don't make sense until now when I see it from this perspective of, I think when I can't get that thing I want, the food that I want, it's triggering all those memories from that time in my life of just having to deny myself and deny myself and not be heard and not be seen. So taking that forward into my life, first of all, I'd really like to start to observe if there's even more pattern to it. For example, um, do I tend to get those strong urges 
when something else is going on in my life that has made me feel small or invisible. And then like that triggers that inner child to crave that thing to then prove that she is seen invisible by getting that food. If that makes sense. I know that's a little bit abstract. So that's something I want to pay attention to over the next few weeks is, is there something else going on in my life that tends to trigger these strong cravings? And then going forward, when those cravings hit, be able to have a little bit more of a gracious conversation with my subconscious, with myself going, you know, okay, this is really not about the food. This is about you right now feeling unsafe and unseen and unheard and telling myself the opposite story, which is you are safe, you are seen, you are heard and getting this food right now doesn't represent those things. And you can feel safe and seen and heard even if you don't get this food. I feel like I say this every time, but it really does always surprise me what comes up in these sessions because going into this session on this topic of, you know, buying things is soothing, I really had absolutely no clue that these were the memories that were going to surface. I had never made this connection before. And so it's always so amazing, shocking, awe-inspiring that the subconscious really will, when we get it in the right environment, just kind of give us the answers, release it up into the conscious. I think buying things is soothing for a lot of people. And I'd be so curious to hear if for them, it is also about creating um, an illusion of safety, an illusion of being seen, or maybe I'm, I'm important. Maybe as a child, I never got the things I really deeply, truly wanted. And, and so I never felt important. And so maybe for some people, that's the root of it. When they buy something, it makes them feel like I'm important and it's soothing that wound. So I think as always, the roots of these things can be so different, even though it's manifesting in the same way. And what I mean by that is, right, there might be a million of us who all buy things that may be in in excess or buy things when we shouldn't because it's soothing. But the core wound that is being soothed could be different for each of us. For me, in this instance, the core wound that needed soothing was this wound of feeling unseen and unheard and even unsafe when it comes to food. Like, I I don't know if I'm going to eat anytime soon or if it's going to be good. And so I I need to reassure that inner child that, no, you are safe. You do have good food around. You're not going to go hungry. And again, I'm curious to observe how my own behaviors shift in relation to this because there are definitely periods of time where on a daily basis, I am like, oh, I want this thing and I go and get it for myself. And I'm so grateful that I am in a place in life now where for the most part, I can give it to myself and it's not a huge hit on my finances, I guess, is the way that I would put it. But still, I don't want to be controlled by something that's running deeper down. But that will be a good comparison for me to go, okay, at its worst, this shows up on almost a daily basis. And so now I can really observe has that has the frequency of that lessened is the intensity when those cravings do come is the intensity less 
And am I able to navigate those in a different way now? And when it's appropriate, be able to go either, okay, I am going to give this to myself or you know what? It doesn't really make sense right now and I'm not going to give into this and let me soothe and comfort myself in a different way. It's so powerful being able to understand these core wounds or the root subconscious feelings, fears, beliefs, because then we're understanding the deep thing that's actually driving the habit. And rather than just trying to like white fist, you know, white knuckle control the habit, we're able to actually go to the core thing and address that. I know, especially when it comes to money, so often the thing we do or the way that we try and control is just to cut ourselves off, right? I Maybe it's, I spend too much money on X thing, so I'm just going to cut myself off completely and not let myself spend on that thing. And while that might help the symptom of the wound, which is the overspending, it's still leaving the root wound to continue to kind of bleed and fester. And whatever the feelings are related to that, maybe it's fear, maybe it's feeling unimportant, maybe it's feeling invisible, that continues to fester. And so maybe we've cut off the money soothing, but then we might go to something else to soothe that wound. Maybe food, maybe sugar, maybe relationships, whatever it is. And so when we are able to identify the habit, which is the habit is really, again, just a symptom. When we're able to identify the habit and connect it to the core wound, I think that's when we're really, really able to start making positive shifts and do some interventions and habit changes that start addressing the core wound versus just the symptom. So that's it. That's all I've got for you today. (laughs) It's kind of fun. I think that these are a little bit shorter because hopefully they're more digestible. And again, as I say in every episode, I love to hear feedback. So please reach out, whether it's positive, like, hey, I listened to this and it made me think about this. Or, um, you know, here's something that maybe would make this topic a little bit more clear for me that you could um, communicate a little bit better. All of those things, positive feedback, constructive feedback, I welcome it. So please, please reach out and just have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Bye.